Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone. This is Sue Barber. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. Today I am beyond thrilled to have a special guest. This special guest is someone that you've heard about if you listened to episodes 1 and 2 because I talked about her a lot in those episodes and how I created the Visibility Factor book. With us today is AJ Harper. I am going to read her bio and then we're going to get into some great conversation. AJ Harper is an editor and publishing strategist who helps authors write foundational books that enable them to build readership, grow their brand and make a significant impact on the world. As ghostwriter and as developmental editor, she has worked with newbies to New York Times best-selling authors with millions of books sold. AJ is writing partner to business author Mike Michalowicz. Together they've written 9 books including Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Fix This Next, and their latest Get Different. Through her top 3 book workshops and editing retreats, AJ empowers authors with insider publishing knowledge and guides them through the book development, writing, and editing process. She has written for many people, but now has her own book called Write a Must Read coming out on May 24th. I'm so so excited to have you here, AJ. Hey Sue. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am also doing great. I'm very excited. Excellent. So, this episode is actually going to come out a little bit later, but uh for when we're recording, AJ's book is coming out tomorrow. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about her book and her top 3 book workshop and some other stuff, but I think it might be interesting for people to understand how you got into this whole writing process and becoming an editor. How did that happen for you? Well, I was a playwright for many, many years and then I had my son in 2004 and I knew that I wanted to be there for him, be more of a full-time mom, but I still wanted to write and I didn't want to go back to an office job. So I decided I would switch from playwriting to basically my only rule was I'll that I wouldn't write for something illegal. So I just <laughs> I just wrote whatever. I wrote whatever <laughs> to just pay the bills. And it wasn't that long before I wrote my first book, which was about something no one cares about anymore and it was a really really short book, but that started me on the path to uh writing books and within about a year I had written a personal development book which is what I came to do exclusively in short order. So within the first year, I wrote for a person who had a lot of connections and then she started referring me to all these people in this world I didn't know about of personal and professional development, so business, self-help, spirituality, nutrition, wellness, anything that's about making your life or work or marriage or something better. And that's the community that I wrote for exclusively for a really long time. And uh then when I gave up ghostwriting, which was about 10 years in, I focused primarily on editing and teaching. So, I'm like one of the lucky people who got to attend her very first version of the top 3 book workshop. So, I feel um 
very grateful, first of all, to have been a part of that because we got to give a lot of feedback to help future classes, but also just the amount of things that I learned that I never knew I needed to know. <laughs> like what a gerund is and how often I use it uh, was way too often, first of all. But things that I didn't know and have really been able to apply, not only for myself, but for my children when I'm editing their papers now as well. So, <laughs> so I know when I published my book, so many people came up to me and said, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write a book. How did you do that? What do you think holds people back from writing good books? From writing good books? That's a good question. I think people, what holds people back from writing any book is just fear of the unknown and also fear that their message doesn't matter. So it's twofold. And it's the question I get most, even from people who are super famous and accomplished, is is anybody going to care about this? They may not say it in that way, but that's what they really mean. I hear that all the time from every single person I've worked with. And then... The second part is the mystery of understanding how to write it and the publishing world. So I think if because it's a whole other planet publishing, if you're also nervous that what you have to say has been said before or you won't be able to say it well enough or you can't pull it off or you don't know if anyone cares, if you feel that way, then you can use the fact that you don't understand publishing or what it takes to put a book together as a reason to give up. And so I think that's the reason why people don't write or finish, why they don't write a good book, is because we have an industry that's built up around telling people that they can just get things, they should just get things out fast, write a better business card, don't worry if it's a quality book, just get it done, just ship it, whatever they want to say. And I really think it's a disservice to people because, you know, when you started writing your book, you didn't know. You were a writer, you wrote blogs, you wrote in the corporate environment, you had a lot of confidence in that, but the medium is, it breaks your confidence because you don't actually know how it works. So just, I think that there's a lot of lazy coaching out there telling people to just do things quickly instead of just showing them some simple frameworks and some mindset shifts they need to make to write a better book. I totally agree because I remember our very first conversation when I was thinking about attending your workshop, you said, do you want to write a marketing book or do you want to write a book that changes the world? (laughs) And that really struck me because I guess I never thought of it that way, first of all. (laughs) But second, I mean, absolutely. Why would I spend all this time writing it if I don't want it to be impactful for people. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, I haven't shared this with you before, but someone just told me on a podcast that's coming out this week that she carries the book with her, my book with her what? everywhere Ooh. in her backpack. And she calls it her most famous guide, right? Stop that it. she is sharing. I know. I said, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. And so it did. I, and it did. So I'm just telling all of the listeners, if you want to write a book, first of all, work with AJ. She is <sighs> amazing. But second of all, just trust yourself that you can do it. I'm stuck on that. I know. It's amazing, right? That's the best thing I've heard in so long. It's in her backpack. <laughs> she carries it in her backpack. In her backpack. I but see, that's what, that's what you learned to do, and then you did it. You know, it's just deciding. I'm going to write a book that people keep in their backpack or on their nightstand or whatever it is that they treasure and tell people about. And you can do it. It's just that there's this myth about talent. You know, we think it's all related to talent. Talent can be important if you're looking to win a Pulitzer, for example, but most people aren't looking for that. But you can make an impact like the one you're talking about 
by simply making the correct mindset shifts around it and staying absolutely committed to that mindset shift. But then also just learning some stuff, just some frameworks and strategies and then implementing them and then it works. Yeah, she said she would like to take and buy a hundred or more copies and drop it from a helicopter. I said, anytime you want to do that, you just let me know. Well, I mean, make sure she signs in like a, like she didn't, prevents you from being sued if anybody gets hurt. (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't even think about that part. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you have to get her to put that in writing. Oh my God. Is that, she was, she's just so good. She's a client and a fun guest. And she was, she's been a huge advocate for me. She's telling everybody about me. So I, I love her to pieces, but. So it works. It works. It really works. He's telling everybody about yeah. you. <laughs> so I'm so happy about that. So, you know, I don't know that I understood what I needed to do before I came in to work with you. If somebody is interested in writing a book, like, what do you think they should be prepared with? You know, there's an idea or do they have to have some things already planned out? Like, what do they need to start with when they come into your workshop? Oh, for my workshop? Yeah. I think the main thing is understanding that you have, there's something that you want to help people with. It usually falls into the categories of, I really want to correct this misunderstanding, right? Everyone's doing this one thing and I don't want them to do that anymore. Or I want to fix this thing or help these people. Or I, oh, if usually it comes from a place of frustration. Oh, I wish people just knew this. I could help so many people. And that's the beauty of a book is you do end up helping so many people because your reach is wider to strangers you'll never meet. I think if you don't have a clue what any of those things are, that my workshop, you're not ready for yet. But even if all you have is just, I care about this and I want to do something about it, or I have a story and I really want to tell any of those, even if you have 10 things you want to write about and you don't know which one, that's all fine. It's just when you have zero, if you just have the notion, I'd like to write a book, but I have no idea what to write about, my my workshop isn't for you. There are some great workshops that would be better. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad I had some idea of what I was going to do. You I mean, and I do. carried that for four years before I even talked to you. So that's it's yeah. really cool. Now, I know that it took you a good two years to put this top three book workshop together. What, what is the mm-hmm. vision that you had for it back then and how has it changed since? Oh man, that's such a good question. Well, you know, because I've shared with you privately, you know, my workshop's so intimate and I work one-on-one with folks so we get to be pretty close. So you know that the reason it took two years is because I was afraid of being visible. So that's why this is good that we're talking about it today. I could have gotten it up in a few months, but... I just didn't pull the trigger. I just kept reworking it, reworking it. In the end, it was good because I kept refining my systems so that when I did launch it, I was pretty clear. Um, But I wanted to launch, initially, I wasn't sure how how much do I do about publishing and how much do I do about the development and writing and editing part. And I thought... You know, I got some advice from a wonderful coach, Andrea Lee, who you also know. And she said, I want you to do a class on um, the budgeting. You know, what's the realistic view of money in, money out? And how does it work? And nobody's talking about this and just tell people the truth. And when I sat down to just do the budget class, it kept linking to 85 other things I needed to talk about because you have to understand why you need 
quality components, why you need these people on your team. It, and so then it just ended up being, I have to teach the whole thing. So I went from trying to teach it in components to just teaching enough about the industry to really empower authors and help them get, we talked earlier about it being a mystery to demystify some of it so that authors felt more confident and could advocate for themselves. And then look, you know, focusing more on the writing development and editing part. I mean, that was definitely something I didn't understand. And I, I think if, if someone had even taught me how to write the book, I would have been clueless as to how to publish it for sure. Um, there's just a lot to it. And even, you know, I self-published, which is not what everybody chooses to do. And there maybe have support from like a hybrid publisher, a traditional publisher. There's still a lot to know, a lot of decisions to make, a lot of things to understand for you as the author that people are going to push you in directions and all those things that you taught us. So yeah, to me, invaluable. Uh, it just helped me so much. And I knew you were there. <laughs> like if I had a question, you or Laura Stone, you know, your great operations manager were there to help and support us. And it was, it was wonderful. Um, so how do you, how do you feel? Like you've created dreams for people. They have created books now. How does that feel for you as the person who really helped support them to do that? You know, it's a bit surreal. I have to say, I, I, it's been very emotional for me. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride that I didn't understand and probably didn't, uh, probably diminished, probably didn't put as much attention on. I would always advise all of you to be, I don't know. I don't think I had a full appreciation for the emotional roller coaster because if you're a ghostwriter, you know, your work is done when you turn in the final proofread and the marketing and front facing conversations are the author that's on the cover. So I'm, by the time somebody's book comes out, I probably already wrote three or four books or 10 or whatever. So I, I, I didn't have anything at stake really. I mean, I had things at stake behind the scenes. If a book didn't do that well, maybe that would affect me, but having everything at stake because my name is on the cover and then, it, <laughs> you know, it's a lot different when people are expecting great things from you because you already have a reputation. And so that is different than some of my authors who are brand new and they're still building a platform. So I don't know, man. So it's anxiety, a lot of anxiety, but it's also, I'm immensely proud because I can just give this to people, which is what I wanted. I wanted people to have the information that could be a real game changer for them for 27 bucks or for free at the library. And that's, so to have that is more important to me than recognition or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people a little bit about what the book is about, who it's for, what they could take away from it if they read it? Sure. It's called Write a Must Read, and it's for authors and aspiring authors who want to write a book that people love, remember, and talk about. So it's really specific, not any book, but a book that people keep in their backpack. Like the, that's, that's the book. There's a craft to that. As you know, there's an intentional craft that's based on the core message of my book, which is a book is not about something. A book is for someone. And from that philosophy is a method you'll, you remember well, which is we call reader first in class. That is a process frameworks craft toward keeping reader experience top of mind and delivering on the promise transformation. And when you do those two things, then no matter how much writing talent you have, you automatically have a book that connects and 
is is something of value to someone else. So that's the book is actually, I mean, there's work exercises in there that you did. There it's the workshop in in the book. I mean, I, I can't do everything in the book because a lot of the workshop is one-on-one, but yeah. So when someone's thinking about it, would this be a like a companion guide in some way to the top three book workshop if they were doing both, or is it like separate really in your mind? I don't think it's either. I think it's it's a way for me to just reach more people. It's not a companion. You don't have to be in workshop ever to to get the most out of that book ever. It's that's why I wrote it for people who couldn't maybe afford to take my workshop uh, or didn't have time or didn't have act whatever reason. I just didn't want there to be a barrier to the knowledge. And so you don't have to be in workshop at all to get the benefit of the book. And so I was lucky enough to get a pre-read of this, everyone, but I know that it's not for people who are writing fiction books, correct? It's for nonfiction book authors or potential authors to read. Yeah, I mean, real specifically, it's called prescriptive nonfiction. So it's any time that you're trying to help somebody be different by the end of the book in some way. But it does also work with creative nonfiction in some ways, Um so we definitely have people you know well in class who are working on memoir and other creative nonfiction, and it does also help with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. So I'll tell a little story on myself. I think I've shared maybe on the podcast before, but when I was giving my initial drafts to AJ, she said, Sue, you're one of the most invisible people in this book, and you're writing a book about visibility. <laughs> And I never even realized it, uh, but she was so right because I hadn't really written stories enough about myself. And I think the piece that for listeners to understand is that there is a vulnerability angle here that you need to really think about because I wrote multiple drafts for AJ. She probably lost count as to how many I gave her mm-hmm. before I was willing to be vulnerable enough to share the stories and really remove the corporate armor that I still carried around and didn't realize how much I was still carrying around until we went through that process. So it was it was an, a life-changing you know experience for me, for sure, to go through and write that book. You, you mentioned that that's the little, you're in the book, right? A must read. And that's what I talk about are the drafts. But, you know, I have to highlight you as I always love to do because all that paid off. And when you came to me, you said, and, you know, I have that opening questionnaire. Who are your top three authors? And Brene Brown probably was your top three of all threes. Um, and then you got a critical book review. I'm not talking Amazon here. I'm talking from the industry and a trade review comparing you to Brene Brown. Oh, I almost cried. <laughs> and you know, I know. And you also said, I want this to feel like a coaching session with me or multiple, you know, that I'm your coach throughout. That's the feel you wanted. That's something we talk about in class is how do you want your reader to feel? And then they actually said in the review that that's what it felt like. So you mission accomplished. I know. I know. Yeah. It's it's like setting out this vision for what you really want. And I think That helped me a lot because I did think about that as I was writing stories or as I was writing, you know, I gave some client experiences of coaching in there and I wanted them to feel as if they had been a coach, you know, or been coached in this situation like this other person was that I was talking about. Yeah, I love all of this stuff. I I can't tell you, you guys know how much I love her. So if you listen to any of my podcasts, I talk about her a lot. Okay, so... What kind of feedback have you already gotten about the book for the people who have already read it or the people who are, you know, asking you questions? How are they feeling about it so far, even though it hasn't officially come out? I mean, it hasn't come out yet. So anybody I've heard from, the people who know me. So 
I value that. Everybody has really good things to say. And I'm very grateful to have wonderful professional endorsements. I haven't yet heard from just folks. So just people who aren't already, you know, part of my community. And so I'm really excited to get feedback about that. But I actually haven't. I mean, I did advanced reader feedback, which is something you know about that you did. Um, so technically, you know, that, but that's before your final edit. So for the final book, I don't know. I'm waiting to find out. So I have to let everybody know that Stephen Pressfield is one of AJ's most favorite authors in the world, and she loves everything about him. And I was excited to see that he did a testimonial at the beginning of your book for you. And I was so excited yeah. to see that. How did you ask him for that? <laughs> well, I mean, I had to throw up before I <laughs> But, you know, I mean, part of it is, is like I ta- I teach you guys, I couldn't not ask because right. I told all of you to do that. Yes, you know, exactly. so I kind of shot myself in the foot from being able to hide it all. We're talking about visibility because I want to be a good example for all my students. And so I always tell you guys, just ask. The worst that can happen is you won't hear from them or they'll say no and you won't die. So I had previously, you know, I think this is important if you're trying to get people that you really admire to notice your work or work with you or endorse you in some way, you know, you've got to start that relationship pretty early before you need to ask that. And so a a year and a half before I even went for the endorsement, I asked him, could I interview you for the book? And I told him a funny story about how I saw him in Nashville and and thankfully he was open to being interviewed and we and then we had a great exchange so i didn't ask anything then and i think it's because he knows that i care about his work because i showed up to one of his events and then i knew a lot about him so we had a great interview that he enjoyed and then i just tried to get the nerve up i just it took me about 5 tries of recording a video to ask so it was hard. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super proud of you because I know that that's a huge deal for you just because I've heard you talk about so many times how wonderful he is and how an inspiration he is for you. So, I'm so I was so excited. It was a big long shot. Thank you. It was a big long shot because mm-hmm. he really doesn't endorse many books. And I have to look, but I don't think he's endorsed. I mean, also a book about writing. I don't know. So, but you know what? You just have to try. What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, I love it. You, they'll say no, right? So I mentioned in your bio that you write books with Mike Michalowicz. How is this experience of writing your own book without a partner? Well, at first it was really hard because I've been the voice of Mike for, for almost 15 years. So, um, <laughs> so I had to, I would find myself writing and then le- lean into a Mikeism. Um and don't get me wrong, Mike is Mike, you know, it's it's Mike and I, as you know, have a yes. creative collaboration, but I can be Mike easily. And uh, yes. I just mm-hmm. didn't know how to be me. And it wasn't just Mike, it was 10 years of ghostwriting and being others, which I'm very good at doing. Right. But in exchange for being good at that, I had to make myself as invisible as possible. A good ghostwriter, nobody knows they exist. And so that's, you know, that's hard on a person who is trying to find their voice to write their own book. So it took me months of just Mm -hmm. tinkering away until I could finally get 
to what I know is my own voice. Um, so that that was a process. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I just wonder if that kind of, you know, all those years of ghostwriting and writing with other people, but they don't know you, kind of helped you stay invisible to some extent. Sue, I was literally, the term is ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally a ghost. You're literally unseen. And I was the kind of ghost that, I'm not the kind of ghost that says with so-and-so on the cover. I'm the kind of ghost that people would hire because I would not only be a ghost to the world, I was a ghost to almost everyone on the team. So I had a system where I could, when the editor's comments came back and then I had to fix it for my client, I had a way of making it seem like it was the client doing it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not even in most, you can sometimes figure out who the ghost is from the acknowledgements, but I'm not in most, a lot of them. So yeah, it was a very stealth operation. And sometimes not stealth, sometimes yes. It's a really interesting profession. But because of that, I also, this is important for your listeners, I think, I just convinced myself that I needed to be as small as possible. So I really never, I never promoted myself. I was busy all the time, but that's because people were just referring me all the time. Never promoted myself, avoided speaking engagements. I only spoke once a year at this thing because they made me. Um... And then uh, every LinkedIn request, hundreds and hundreds of them over years, delete, didn't make a profile, <laughs> nothing. No, I mean, even now, if you go look at my social, I don't have a big platform because I'm not used to it. I've been about six years out of ghostwriting and it's not a comfort zone for me to be visible. I have to practice at it. Um, because I was so used to being, I didn't want to connect anybody on LinkedIn because I didn't want people to look at my list of people I was connected to and wonder if I wrote for them. And I was really trying to honor NDAs and not get anyone in trouble. And so I regret it now, quite honestly, uh, because I could have just said editor up there, Mm -hmm. but I think I was enjoying being invisible. safer, right? (laughs) It's a lot safer. (laughs) Well, and I know just from being a part of your group, like even initial videos, you know, just making your own videos and that kind of thing, it definitely was hard for me. And I know that you've, you just do a video all the time now and it's no big deal for you. But I know in the beginning, that was not as easy for you to do either. Oh my gosh. I would get, I, I, the first time I did one, my friend, Christina Pater, Came over for like two days. She said, we're just going to do a ton of video. Got myself. I hired someone to do hair and makeup. And then I sat there like a frozen, like, hi. And I did. I wouldn't let myself move because I was afraid of the hair issue. And I look, I sound just, I mean, I sound like I'm in pain. Because I was in pain. And now I have to do them to announce a book birthday or whatever. And so I'm just like, all right, let me just throw, you know, throw something on and let me get this thing done. (laughs) I just, oh my gosh, I just ran across one of your older videos where, um, so for those of you who don't know, one of the ways to get your book done is to write sprints. And that means getting up every morning and maybe multiple times throughout the day and writing as a group over Zoom. And I found a video of you with the towel on your head and you were talking about 
this is how we usually look at sprints because we just get out of bed and then we come on camera. And I remember there's plenty of days where I did not look my best at all. I rolled out of bed at 5 a.m. my time and just got on camera and nobody cared. It was so amazing. Nobody cared what we look like because yeah. we all were in the same boat. You know, the only, yes, the only rule of sprints is please have clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pajamas. Pajamas are fine. Pajamas are sometimes, cool. Sometimes people had a costume. Whatever. Just don't be naked. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. So many fun things. All right. So you've done all these amazing things. What do you want your legacy to be? I think, um, I just want people to write better books. That's it. And I want to, you know, it's, it's, I want people to care about that. I feel like we're going away from that value. And I think we've cheapened a lot of aspects of publishing that we don't need to, we don't need to do that. You know, it's, um, we don't have to be, it's not like we need to have gatekeepers that prevent ordinary folks from writing good books and getting them out. I don't, I'm not saying that. I just think we can all do better. And I want people to care about their readers. That's what I want. I want people to care more about their readers than they care about themselves. And that's actually, as you know, the key to getting it done, coming full circle to your original question. All that insecurity that you have about your idea, your writing ability, feeling I mean it, writing a book is makes all of us feel like we're having an out-of-body experience I mean it, it's even someone like me who writes books all the time it can be crushing and confusing and you wonder oh my gosh is this ever going to be done and that focus on reader pr- compels you to continue it not only does that but it answers a lot of questions should I include this I don't know. Oh my gosh. Instead of tearing your hair out, you can just say, well, will it serve my reader? Does this help me get them to promise? Okay. Yes. I'll put it. Okay. No, I'll save it for something else. And I just, I think if my legacy could be, let's shift our focus to readers. Not only would we write better books, but we'd have more books because I think people would finish. When we focus on ourselves, it's really tough. It's tough to write a good book, but it's also tough to, tough to finish it. I totally agree with that. I mean, there was many days where I did not feel motivated to continue. And I even took a break in there for a little while just because I think I needed to step away from it. And I know that that helped me, especially during the editing process. Uh, I just was, I needed a bit of a break from it just so I could come back and look at it a little bit more with fresh eyes and get excited about it again and be motivated to really get it across the finish line. So that is so true. Um, I just have an additional question about that. I'm wondering if you can describe like what a day in the life of a writer is because not everybody gets to be a part of that world. Well, it depends on what type of writer you are. I mean, I can tell you what my writing life is, but there's there's writing life that I'm fascinated by that I'll never have. Like I'm not Arthur Miller going into the woods in a shack to write Death of a Salesman for three weeks and then working in a factory where nobody knows. I, I, I Most of us are parents and have jobs and can't do things like that um but I mean if you want to know what my writer life is like I can tell you so if I'm actively working on a project then I'm up at probably 4 a.m to write before the world gets up and I try to write through our 6 a.m sprints and workshop but that is maybe unless I'm on a deadline that's maybe all I'll do that day um, and because then the rest of it is maybe editing other people's stuff or the business of writing, because 
writing is not just writing. It's also all of the business aspects of getting yourself marketed, getting books to market, connecting with the right people. But I think a lot of writers usually do, you know, somewhere between two and, two and five hours a day is my, in my experience. Of course, there are exceptions. Um, but most of them get it done first and then go about their day, you know, businesses, promotions, parenting, all of that same stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like working out in the morning and getting it done. And then you can just go attack your day after that. Yeah. And then all of us have crunch days where that's all we're doing or crunch weekends or whatever, because we're on a deadline. There's also, for a writer, a lot of just letting yourself think about stuff and look at things and listen to things. You know, it's really important if you want to cultivate that writing part of your life. It's not just writing, it's going to museums and going for walks and watching a weird documentary that you normally wouldn't watch and just being open to things because it opens up your mind to connections that you might not have thought about. And I think if we just stay in front of our computer or even our notepad, then it's really limited what we can actually get across. So writers also go out in the world and just look at everything and listen to everything. I mean, even if I read the book now, my book now, I look at stories in there and I think, I wonder what, like how that story even came out of me because that's not something I probably ever talked about ever with anybody. And here it is in the book, like the Sister Loretta. <laughs> but stories, I mean, that just came out of nowhere for me. And that was just me thinking about situations where I was in those moments. Right. Well, you had trained yourself in workshop. This is the thing I love about workshop is over time, all of you get to have instincts, writing instincts that you didn't have. And so then you start, mostly that's connections. Writers draw, connect the dots between this and that in a way that maybe we haven't thought about before. And you know, you know how to do that. And so and then if you're in that writing sprint mode, like you were, where you're thinking about it every day and making even the tiniest bit of progress every day, I mean, I'm talking 50 words, whatever, then those stories plop into your lap out of nowhere. But if you are trying to jam it in here and there and you're not keeping your book top of mind, it's harder for those little gifts to happen. Okay, so we're going to transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible quick tips. And I ask everyone these questions at the end of the podcast. So I'd love to get your insights here. So fill in the blank. Visibility is? Necessary. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Necessary. In terms of like marketing or in, yeah. just in general? Well, I think just in general, I, you know, a good idea and a great message doesn't really matter if nobody is listening to it. So that's why I had to write my book because it's not that nobody was, but it's a small group and I like it that way. How am I going to help people? How am I going to get my message out to help more people? So it's necessary. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, I think about Mike Michalowicz's, um advice to all of us when he was talking about marketing is you have a responsibility to talk about your book and get it out in front of people so that they can read it. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me so much. I just, I think about that all the time mm -hmm. when I may be scared to do something. I think of Mike and what he said, and I, I force myself to do it because I know it's my responsibility to do that. 
So I love that. Well, and now, I mean, now I hope you'll get a little picture of a backpack or something and just put it, <laughs> put it around yeah. you to remind yourself that there's another person who wants to put it, you know, that she, this person, this client of yours is just one. So if it can have that kind of impact where somebody wants to drop it from a helicopter, then you've got to get it to more people. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so do you have any advice or a tip that you could share with listeners on what you have done to be more visible? Um, Yes, I think, um, I feel like the times that I am most visible, when my efforts to be visible are better received, let's put it like that, are when I'm being vulnerable and sharing a part of myself. So, you know, I have this very long road to get my book done because there were a lot of health challenges due to COVID and some other things in my family and it was really hard and when I wrote something about that and was vulnerable and admitted some things that I'm you know I'm very you're a Midwesterner I'm a Midwesterner so there's we don't really mention stuff (laughs) we just deal and get up and do our lives and um and so but when I shared it it had such a profound response because people felt like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. And I could keep my book alive. That that post about was about continuing to work on the book, even if all you can do is jot down notes in your on your phone in a hospital, you know? And that inspired so many people to keep going on their books. So I think if you can be vulnerable, not all the time, but just those are the ones that have the maximum a- impact. I I would agree. That's the ones that I get the most comments on and the most people reaching out to me because of the ones that I've done, which I was scared to do initially. And I think they just have the most impact for other people to see themselves in what you've been through and how they can move through it themselves. So I totally agree with that. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you received that helped you the most? So I think it was two. One, okay, now it's going to be one. You asked for one. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You can do two. Um, I can do two. One was um, when I was a young playwriting prodigy and thought a very lot of myself. And a mentor of mine, Randy Sue Latimer, said, you're not a good writer. And I just about passed out because she had said she loved my work for many years before that. What she said was, you're not old enough yet. What she meant was I didn't have enough human experience with humans in all the phases of life to understand how to write great characters yet. And so that was actually good life, good career advice, because then I didn't try to hurry through everything. I thought, okay, it's not, it's not that I have to be this place by the time I'm 25. And in the end, she was right, because I'm a much better writer than I was then. And anyway, but the second one is Mike Michalowicz telling me, calling BS on me, when I said, I had several people ask, could you maybe teach since I was retiring from ghostwriting? I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just burned out. And so a bunch of people said, well, what are you going to do with all your knowledge? You should teach. And I said, I can't teach what I know. It's intuitive. Nobody can do what I do. And Mike called my BS and told me it was my ego talking and that I had systems and frameworks and it was my responsibility to figure out what they were. And so that's why we have workshop and this book. Uh, 
Yeah, because that was full of it. So we owe it all to Mike, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. For anybody who uh, reads any of Mike's books, I mean, they look like business books, but there's a lot of great stories yeah. and a lot of AJ coming in through there, helping Mike's voice really stand out. It's there's so there's some funny parts for I mean, sure. To, in Mike's defense, we are like brother and sister, so it's totally. Yes. <laughs> Totally fine for him to say that to me, and I'm grateful for it because he was 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. When, But don't you think, Sue, that with visibility, sometimes the ego is the thing that's getting in our way with being visible? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's fear. It's the spotlight being on you. What if you make a mistake? What if you fail? You know, a lot of imposter syndrome for me uh, showed up every single day. And there, like I said, there's some days that it still shows up and I have to literally just say, you have to do this. This is the right thing to do, even though it scares you because I cannot, you know, as we talked about, have a book, a book about visibility and then hide here <laughs> in my office under my desk. It's just not going to work. So, you know, I'm just much like you hoping to help other people see that it's much easier than you realize. And the more you do it, the more confidence you get. Like, I hadn't done in any of my own videos either. So you and I were on a similar path about putting videos out there and going live on things. I just had never done that either. And now I do it with no question. It doesn't even phase me anymore to do it. So you just have, it's like a first. You have to do it and then get good at it and practice. And then before you know it, it's like a no-brainer. You just can do it. So it's just like I was saying about demystifying the publishing mm -hmm. world and books. It's the same with visibility. It's, it seems yeah. like... Yeah, it's a lot of it is just not knowing what to expect. Yeah, and it's just fear or something happened in your past that you're replaying on right now and thinking it's going to happen again. Yeah. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't this time. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be the hardest question ever for you. Okay. But what books or book have you read recently that you love and would recommend? Obviously your own. <laughs> well, that's actually hard because I haven't been... Um, I actually am just have a stack of books to read after this launch because I haven't been able to do a lot of reading. That said, um, I was reading uh, this new book by um, Garrett Gunderson called Disrupting Sacred Cows, which is about money. And I think that one is really was a real eye-opener for me. And I also am starting on Atlas of the Heart by your fave. I have that. I haven't read it yet you either. I've got Okay, so we'll no. have to text each other and just yes. see if that's one of my staff. But I think I'm preemptively recommending it. Um, and then uh, there's a couple... Oh, there's a new Louise Erdrich, Erdrich book um, that I think that's a novel. She's my favorite novelist, and it's called The Sentence. Ooh. Yeah, so that one I highly recommend. Excellent. Okay, well... I can't wait to hear all the stack of books that you have. I can't even imagine how many books you probably have to read. I don't, I can't turn my camera because it would look like a hoarder lives here. <laughs> well, if you saw. That's just because it's, it's just because it's coming up on launch and I haven't had a chance to yeah, clean, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's the yeah, lot of books. Yeah, I have the same over here. If I moved my camera, you would see the same of other people uh -oh. in our group, you know, are all of them. I have their books and, you know, just a ton of books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge reader anyway, but yes. Okay, anything else you'd like to share with the audience in any way about what you're doing or anything you have coming up? So um, through, I mean, I, this podcast will be live forever or available forever, but 
Um, we are doing a summer writing challenge, which is going to be super fun. And we'll start talking about that June 1. And then we have a bunch of really cool bonuses for the Write a Must Read book launch that are actually available through July 1. So I'm keeping it going for, you know, part of the summer because we're going to be doing some experiences in July. So definitely go to writeamustread.com and you can check that out. And uh, are you? when's the next top three book workshop happening? So we do that twice a year. I accept 30 new students a year, 15 and 15. And the next one is starts September 12th. Got a big year ahead of you. And I'm so excited for your book launch. Like I said, my book will be here tomorrow. And I am beyond excited to have the actual hard copy book in my hand. And hopefully when I see you next, I can get you to sign it. (laughs) That would be amazing. Well, thank you for being here. So I just, I'm so excited for everything in this conversation. And I hope it lets all the listeners just get to know you a bit better in the way that I know you, which is a wonderful person. She is so in service, not only to the readers, but her her class and everybody she meets. I I think she is just a, a tremendous gift to the world as I tell her all the time and she gets embarrassed, but I think that is totally true. Thanks, Sue. And everybody gets Sue's book. (laughs) Yeah, they probably have heard a little bit about my book too along Mm -hmm. the way. All right. Thank you so much for joining today on the Visibility Factor podcast and I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.